uh, do sit down. It's very formal. Well, um, yeah. This is an odd moment for me because I had the same moment with my father when I just turned 21 and after it, my life was never the same. So I approach it pretty um, nervously. Okay. When you're ready, it's all very mysterious. Uh, right. Tim, my dear son, uh, the, uh, the simple fact is the men in this family have always had the ability to, this is going to sound strange, be prepared for strangeness, get ready for spooky time. Uh, but there's this family secret, and the secret is that the men in the family can travel in time. Well, more accurately, travel back in time. We can't travel into the future. This is such a weird joke. It's seriously not a joke. So you're saying that you and Grandad and his brothers could all travel back in time? Absolutely. And you still do? Absolutely. Although it's not as dramatic as it sounds. It's only in my own life. I can only go to places where I actually was and can remember. I can't kill Hitler or shag Helen of Troy, unfortunately. Okay, stop. Um, if it's true, uh, which it isn't. Although it is. Although it isn't, obviously. But if it was, which it's not. Which it is. Which it isn't. But if it was, how would I actually... The how is the easy bit, in fact. You go into a dark place. Big cupboards are very useful, generally. Toilets at a pinch. Then you clench your fists like this. Think of the moment you're going to, and you'll find yourself there. After a bit of a stumble and a rumble and a tumble. Wow. Oh, I love that movie. Has anybody seen that movie? Only a few people? All right, so now you have homework. You have to go watch this movie. It's called About Time. It's probably one of my favorite movies of the last few years. And wow, one thing that I really love about it is its ability to tell a story that shows us how important it is to, to be aware. So Tim, the main character, clearly in this scene, finds out that the men in the family can travel back in time, right? And what, what ends up happening, without giving away the, the story, what, what he ends up finding in traveling back into moments in his life, and some days he'll actually, he'll just go and live the day yesterday again. And what he notices when he goes back and he lives yesterday again, he lives that day without all the anxieties and the worries that he took into that day the first time. And what he realizes is that he spends so much of his time and energy uh, in that first day uh, worrying about things that are completely out of his control. And then after living the day, he realizes all of those worries, all of those anxieties, the unexpectedness of that day uh, really wasn't that important. And that it caused him to not really ever be present throughout the day because there was always something else, always something later that afternoon, something that evening that was weighing him down. And he got to the end of the day and thought, all right, I'll go, I'll go live tomorrow again without, now that I've lived through this day, I know what it's going to be. And what he ends up finding is that after a little bit of time, he, he doesn't have to go back and live every day twice. He realizes that he can live each day in this sort of present moment, uh, but it, it took him a while to, to learn this lesson. And I just love that it shows us 
uh, the, the times and I think in our lives when we're not really aware. And so this morning, uh, we're talking about awareness and attentiveness, because I think this morning, uh, if we're not attentive to, to what God is saying uh, in, in these two verses that are, are about listening, uh, we might miss out on the message uh, for today and what I think is uh, really at the heart of the entire gospel message. So this morning is, is baptism of our Lord Sunday. If this is your first baptism of our Lord Sunday, well, it's mine too. So we're uh, in this together. So uh, in, the, in the liturgical calendar, this is uh, the Sunday where uh, the, the baptism of Jesus is talked about. But our lectionary passage today is actually going to be Acts 10, 34 through 44. It's in the bulletin, and it's up here. I'll read. Verse 34. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone. You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all of this because God was with him. And we saw it. We saw it all. Everything he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem where they killed him, hung him from a cross. But in three days, God had him up, alive, and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He wasn't put on public display. Witnesses had been carefully handpicked by God beforehand, us. We were the ones there to eat and drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to announce this in public, to bear solemn witness that he is, in fact, the one whom God destined as judge of the living and dead. But we were not alone in this. Our witness that he is the means to forgiveness of sins is backed up by, by the witness of all of the prophets. No sooner were the words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. Now this seems like a weird passage for uh, Baptism uh, Sunday. Uh, there's actually no mention of baptism in that passage. Uh, but I think uh, this passage Everything in the Christian faith hinges on Acts chapter 10, all right? Everything in the Christian faith hinges on the 10th chapter in Acts. Uh, and I, I hadn't really thought about it, but we actually uh, went through the first half of Acts 10 in the summer. Uh, it's the, uh, the story during Pentecost where uh, the napkin descends from heaven and there's all the animals on this napkin in Peter's vision. And it's really strange and Peter doesn't know what's going on. And then God... Uh, in a voice to Peter says, kill, eat, all of these animals. And all the carnivores in the room said, amen. And all the vegetarians shake their heads and think about the implications of meat consumption and heart disease. And uh, yeah, But I digress. So Peter re receives this, uh, he receives a scandalous vision in the first half of chapter 10 in Acts, um, in which he sort of starts to realize that uh, there's no distinction in what a Jewish person uh, can and should eat, which is kind of curious, and it's kind of a, a big problem in, in the early church whenever you have uh, Peter having this vision that goes 
directly against God's word in the Hebrew scriptures, which has been passed down from generation to generation and is actually God's word. And now you have this guy in the early church, Peter, who just says, uh, you don't have to follow that at all. Um, gets him into a bit of a trouble. But Peter has this vision, and it's, before he can even interpret what this vision is of the napkin descending with all the animals, he has a knock on his door, and it's a couple of guys coming from uh, Caesarea, and uh, they've come on behalf of Cornelius. And Cornelius was this Roman centurion, uh, you know, high official of the Italian guard, and he has called Peter to come visit him in Caesarea, which is essentially, uh, it's literally the a town named after Caesar. It's like Caesarville. Uh, you know, Caesar is Lord, uh, and now here Peter is going around, you know, saying Jesus is Lord, is now invited to uh, Caesarea. So there's all sorts of problems, but Peter, see, you know, the, the Spirit whispers to Peter and says, go with these guys uh, to, to Caesarea. And so when we pick up the story in verse 34, all of that has built up, and Peter is now in the house of Cornelius um, speaking to the people, um, and he, he gives them this, this gospel message. Uh, but it, let's look at the first three verses of this. In the first three verses, he announces to the house, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorite. So once Peter starts talking to this household, he does that that work of interpretation of all of the signs from the previous day, the napkin coming from heaven. He now announces it to this house of Gentile people, of people of the Roman Empire, uh, that God's own truth, nothing could be plainer, God plays no favorites, scandals. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's now doing it everywhere among everyone. So even in that last verse, he says, you know, the message was sent to the children of Israel and is now sent to everyone. Uh, there's no distinction in this, which, you know, uh, we're, we're a fairly progressive, inclusive bunch here at Mission Hills. So this, I think, doesn't really sound as scandalous as... Uh, what it did when it, whenever Peter said it. Uh, but like I said, I think all of Christian history hinges on this one moment. Uh, the good news from this point on uh, in the early Christian community is characterized by the, God's unconditional love for all people, right? And it's this moment in, in Acts chapter 2 where, where that message is received and first given. Um, so what does this have to do with Jesus's baptism. Uh, let's look at uh, verse 37. Um, verse 37, uh, Peter is telling uh, this outline to Jesus's life. Uh, he's in Cornelius's house, and he kind of gives a brief overview of what happened in Jesus's life, and he says, uh, you know the story, like they, they, they apparently know, you know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. So we, Christine read earlier uh, the, the story of Jesus' baptism from the lectionary in Matthew. Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting that this is exactly where Peter opens this outline of Jesus' life. He says, Jesus arrived, uh, arrived from Nazareth, uh, and John was preaching. So 
he sees John as an integral part to this gospel message and the life change that Jesus is now uh, inaugurating here. But Jesus arrived from Nazareth anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. Uh, so Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that I probably would pass over a million times when reading this, not pay any attention to it. But really, all of Peter's message is, is about this uh, spirit uh, anointing Jesus uh, in baptism, being filled with the spirit in baptism. Uh, it's in this moment of God's spirit descending on Jesus as he comes out of the Jordan River uh, that Peter is now linking to what God is doing among the, the Gentile people in that household. Uh, we, we often, I think, don't like to think of Jesus as uh, receiving anything from God, but Peter uses that language here in order to make this point that what Jesus received from God in baptism is the exact same thing that the Gentiles are receiving in the house in that very moment. Uh, so the very spirit that, G that God gave to Jesus, God now gives to those that were previously excluded. Uh, the very spirit that God gave to Jesus, God now gives onto you, Philip. Uh, the very spirit that God gave to Jesus, God now gives to every single person. Huge. All of human, all, all of human history hinges, like, really on, on this, uh, this moment. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I want to look uh, just really quickly at the, at the baptism story again. Uh, Matthew 3, 16 uh, says, uh, When Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I, I am well pleased. Uh, it's a really remarkable short story. Um, and I think it's interesting that Matthew makes this a public announcement. Um, you take the, the Gospel of Luke, for instance, and God simply says, you are my beloved. But Matthew makes this distinction uh, of this is my beloved. He makes this uh, public pronouncement that this is who Jesus is. For, for everyone. This is my, my beloved son. Uh, it also, uh, this passage calls back to um, the Abraham and, and Isaac story where Abraham takes his son out um, uh, to be sacrificed. He calls uh, hi, him his beloved son. Uh, so, so Matthew's, you know, the gospel writers are using the same language of, of beloved son uh, to reference uh, Jesus here. Um, What's interesting about the Abraham and Isaac, when it, whenever I, Abraham is, is asked by uh, God to sacrifice Isaac, um, I think it's interesting that Abraham's response is, I'm listening. He, he just says, yes, I'm listening. And then he's asked to do this horrible, terrible thing to kill his son. And then when he goes out, uh, the angel, if you remember the story, stops him. And he just calls out Abraham. And uh, Abraham says the same thing, I am listening. Are, are, we, are we listening? Uh, so whenever uh, the Spirit descends in this moment, a voice announces, this is my son, the beloved, who I'm well pleased. And our question this morning, you know, are we, are we listening? Uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, about this uh, pronouncement, because Peter then takes this pronouncement of Jesus as the beloved one step further and says, God calls every single person his beloved. What, G what God said to Jesus in that moment, in the descending of the Spirit, that moment happens 
for every single person. The Spirit descends on you, and when the Spirit descends on you, God says, you are my beloved. You are my son. You are my daughter, the beloved. And so in all of these stories, there, there are voices and, and visions and, and trances and uh, angels, which you know, lead us to, into a, a, an important question. I think if we're to really internalize this message as we go out, from this place into a new year, um, that, you know, are we really attentive to what the Spirit is saying and how, how the Spirit is moving in each of our lives? Um, my morning devotional this morning uh, in an email, uh, the theologian Richard Rohr, uh, the title was, The Spirit Still Speaks. Are, are we listening? Um, or, you know, are we, do we fall into the patterns like, like we usually do? Head buried in our technologies, uh, you know, easy for me to do, uh, buried in a computer, buried in the phone, um, unaware of the passing significant moments in which God is calling us deeper into this expansive love that he's offered to each of us. Um, this type of love and acceptance is, I think, somewhere that we never really arrive, both within ourselves and in our relationships. Uh, it's, we, we never really get there, and that's why we have to be constantly attentive, constantly aware the movement of God's Spirit in our lives, and I think aware of the ways in which we tune out, we crank up the noise, uh, and we build secret animosities, I think both against ourselves and, and uh, the people around us. Um, especially being a more uh, progressive bunch, I think we can kind of be proud of this sometimes. Um, but we still have to, to uh, further look into ourselves and to, and to uh, not lose sight of that. I read a question this week that I thought was really interesting. It said, uh, do you find it more difficult to love God, love yourself, or love others? It's an interesting question, uh, and I think one that we might answer differently depending on the year, depending on the week. And I think on Baptism Sunday, uh, this morning it's, it's criti critical for us to remember uh, that our faith really personally and universally hinges on these two moments. Jesus' baptism, in which God's Spirit announces Jesus as God's beloved Son, and then God's movement through Peter and his realization that this announcement of love is the same for all of us today, 2,000 years later. Uh, this morning, um, may you know deep in your bones that the same Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus, Cornelius' house, rests within you right now, calling you, you are my beloved daughter, you are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Let's pray. Lord, may we be attentive to your spirit, uh, the mystery that uh, mo moves within each of us, that calls us to um, experience and live a deep, difficult, I think, sometimes in uh, the daily worries and stresses for us to uh, really grasp uh, the movements of your spirit. So this morning, I pray that each of us um, would be moved by your message of love within our lives, uh, that it wouldn't be something that we say because that's just kind of what you say as Christians, and then we just kind of, you know, we forget it or we lose sight of uh, your movement in our lives. 
uh, but that we would really be attentive and aware to the details of our lives, to the, to the relationships that we share, to uh, co-workers, um, that we wouldn't just uh, pat ourselves on the back for, uh, for understanding your uh, inclusive love at an intellectual level, but that we would really feel and embody that love in our daily lives, uh, that we would really love ourselves and see ourselves uh, the way that you say that you see us. God of the universe, loving deeply and intimately each and every one of us. I know that's a message that is difficult for for many of us to internalize, and I pray that your spirit be with us, um, and that that would not, uh, that would not ever leave.
Rescue. 